Chance on for Virgin all the way. Oh, and it's a beautiful goal! What a New Year, everybody. The podcast is back. We thrash Newcastle, we lose to Liverpool. We get thrashed in the first half against City, we beat them in the second, we beat Liverpool in the Premier League. Up and down Leicester, hands up who can play on Saturday. It's for Fox's sake. Hello and welcome to For Fox's Sake. My name is Pete Selby and Rob. Happy New Year, Rob. Happy New Year, all the listeners. Happy New Year. Can we take the word happy out of that? I'm a bit grisly. I'm back to work this week after two weeks off that included a honeymoon and two Christmases. And to top it all off, about 10 minutes ago, I managed to chuck an entire pint of Vimto squash all over the walled skirting board carpet. I'm not in a great mood, to be honest with you. Can we? Can Can you lighten me up a little bit with some positive football chat? This is kind of like a personal therapy session for me, please. Well, you've cheered me up with that news, and I'm sure everyone has a little wry smile on their faces. But uh, yes, it's the first one back. We've been away for quite a while. You've just heard probably why, Rob. Obviously, you've been away um, after the wedding, etc. Hopefully, you had a nice time. And then over Christmas, or over the New Year, shall I say, we, we've kind of waited until now because we've had this uh, had this break in the fixture list. And, and then we can uh, we can kind of review what's been going on. So a little break uh, for obvious reasons, but we're back now. And a real bumper episode because there's a lot to talk about. So it's going to be 100 mile an hour stuff from now until the end. And it, <laughs> you look back, Rob, on what's happened in the last, say, four games. In fact, you can go back as, say, as five games, really, with, with the Napoli away. It, it really has been a roller coaster of a season it's just been so up and down and the the one thing really looking at the last four games is that Leicester have the bit between their teeth don't they 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 have the um at the moment they're say this, playing well is one thing you can say playing well and the results go one way or the other um but never really questioned any of the effort etc all the way through Rogers' tenure and it's but they really are putting the effort in they really are giving it a hundred percent and with covid with injuries and with the quality of the opposition and the fast rapidity of the games up until this kind of break it's just been all over the place there's been good spells there's been bad spells there's been unexpected bonuses there's been Heartbreak in in League Cup penalty shootouts. You've got a four nil win against Newcastle, a dominant display. You've got the cup game at Liverpool, which we could spend two hours on. You've got the Man City game, which was which was ultimately a springboard, especially in that second half, to then beating Liverpool at home in the league. It's been a real roller coaster. Enjoyable. It's been quite funny. I've had a lot on social media and a lot of feedback mainly from the the game against Liverpool in the uh, in the league cup to talk about. So, yeah, it's uh, it's never dull. I think every club at the moment are, are going through the same sort of things, but at, at Leicester it's almost like you do have to sit back and just kind of enjoy the ride. Of course you do, and that's what makes doing this podcast such a pleasure and that's probably what's kept us going for 
so many years is the fact that every single episode, you know, we could churn out two or three a week and have plenty to talk about with Leicester, uh, especially in the time that we've been um, recording the podcast. Obviously, we've been following them a lot longer than we've been doing the podcast. But yeah, a little snapshot of, of the kind of Christmas period is is a bonkers one, isn't it? But I, I agree with you with, without going into huge amount of detail for every single game it it seems to be that Leicester have found not necessarily a groove but certainly the players have got the belief in themselves and each other and are playing like the Leicester City that we knew that have gone missing for for periods of time this season or reappeared for a game and then gone AWOL for four or five again I don't know if anybody's ever questioned the the fact that the players want to try hard, but it certainly hasn't looked like it at times in certain games this season. But absolutely no question in the the endeavour, the work rate, um, and the desire, the determination. You know all of those all of those key characteristics that really underpin Leicester City Football Club were certainly in evidence in the second half against Manchester City. The throughout the game against Liverpool, which I, th- I thought, obviously we didn't see a lot of the ball for periods of time, but when we did, the real moments of quality, real, just absolutely adamant that they were keeping a clean sheet uh, and managed to do so. And, and just things that sort of instill a bit of confidence, bit of momentum going into 2022. And it was therefore a, a real shame that the Norwich game got postponed because I think we could have properly turned them over after after a positive Christmas period. It is, and a bit of pride as well. A bit of pride from from the fans towards the players and towards the club. Because this was on the back of the draw at Southampton, the loss against Villa, the loss against Napoli, and then dropping down into the Conference League or whatever it is. So it's it has instilled that... Well, reignited that, that bit of... Uh, that passion really from from the supporters and I'm, I'm not talking about just the supporters in the ground I'm talking all, all, all around the world because again you watch Leicester in this in this league and in, in these competitions and all the success they've had you can just you can have that little bit of blase about things and it doesn't really affect me I think it actually no it does I would say sometimes you know especially this season with again the way the world is at the moment you can sometimes with games kind of you know you, you dip in occasionally or or, or whatever um, I've had that on one or two occasions, especially the away games, maybe in a midweek when they've not been playing too well. But it, it really has it, it ignited it again for me. I'm really, really behind this side. And, and I'm looking at the next few games thinking, well, we could be talking about this kind of next three games in the same kind of completely manic and up and down fashion because God only knows what's going to happen. Who's going to be playing? No idea. Um, how they're going to react, how they're going to play, how they need to play. Do they need to be ultra defensive and clinging on to one nil? Are they going to be very expressive going forward, but going to be conceding at the back, um, or are they going to be trying to rescue a situation and come out holding their heads high? That's all three games that we've just had: the hanging on against Liverpool to a certain extent for the win, um, the being superb going forward, but then letting things slip at the back against Liverpool in the League Cup. And then ultimately scoring goals and leaving with your head held high, which I think they certainly did against Manchester City. Um, we'll start, Rob. Just again, we won't go into each game individually because it's been a while. But we can talk about all these these three in relation to the games coming up. 
Um, we'll go through who's available, who's not available, and what we might be looking at in terms of the side uh, in the next few games. Um, I think that, first of all, the FA Cup game, I mean, talk about try and guess the 11. Wow. Um well, I've had a very interesting time of things. When we played in at Liverpool in the League Cup, now we all know what happened in that game. Now it ended, and the controversial moments in the game. I don't think anyone's in any doubt at all about the Morton tackle, and then what happened with with Jota. How they're not two red cards, absolutely no idea. Um, I had a nice time of things, really, with uh, a little bit of, um, again, social media bits and bobs. And, and I went on a, a few Liverpool things, like I've done in the past. And the, the problem is, because they're obviously such a big club, big fan base, etc., these things are not, with respect to for Fox 8 podcast, um, they are gargantuan. And I go on there and I say my piece. I went on, and uh, this was the Anfield wrap, and... It was a full two days after the game. And um, anyway, I went on and I says, uh, they were talking about the game. And I said, well, I said, I'm going to stop you right now. And um, and I says, it's two days after the game, which normally, and as you know, listening to for Fox sake, you have a more, I say balanced point of view, but you kind of let the adrenaline die down and you maybe, maybe even change your opinion on what you thought at the time about things. Anyway, I, I, I said about Morton, I said, you can... You can say it was a, a rash challenge, a young player, uh, one of his first few games and uh, early on in the game and everything. And I said, you're completely wrong. I says, you can say that if you want. But I says it was a, a dangerous and dirty, cynical challenge by a guy who has played two games in the first game he played. Um, I think he should have been sent off as well. And I said, in this game, I says, you're telling me that that tackle was not a red card. I said, it's a straight red and it's broke our player's leg. Anyway, you've got Diego Jota with the with the elbow. I says, Jurgen Klopp turned away as soon as it happened. He obviously knew at the time he's going to be missing his player for three games. He's out. He's a red card. Nothing given at all. And then the one thing that I found quite interesting was a, a huge backlash about James... I don't know whether I was picked up on this, but I got a huge backlash because apparently people got really riled about Madison sliding on his knees when after he scored in front of the cop and I thought oh, I must have must have missed missed out on this so I went back and had a look it's one of the smallest knee slides you've seen is about 5 yards nowhere near the crowd and I'm like and I said I said um if that's enough to rile up the cop then you've lost your backbone up at Liverpool anyway like so and that that didn't go down very well so there was a few things but of course the main thing was about the the songs being sung um and about um as we know it's Beat the Scouser song um, to the let them know it's Christmas time. That that sort of thing. That's been sung and it's been sung for an awful long time. Now they said about that because it, it you know obviously went down like a, a balloon on, on Merseyside as it as it would do. And they says, well, what do you reckon? And I says, well, I said personally, I says, oh, you know, I don't really like the song, but I says, I think I think it's just a bit childish. I says, and but I says, in the great scheme of things, in the great pantheon if you're going to list the top 10 of songs that shouldn't be sung at football grounds that have done in the past that says i'd say it's fairly mild in theory because there could be an awful lot worse anyway of course that just didn't go down like very well did it at all and the response was unbelievable of course we then go and beat them one nil in the premier league well happy days are here again <laughs> talk about you could just 
send a wavy emoji sign to people. Oh, that was glorious. But yeah, there's a there's a a real bit of bad blood between the two sets of supporters. The atmosphere at the King Power uh, was electric against Liverpool. Uh, again, songs being sung. Of course, you then get the retaliation. Fans get wound up. They start singing song, think actions and motions and all sorts. Then it riles up and up and up and you know, it's um. So yeah, it was a a, a very interesting, let's put it that way, uh, response. Which, to be honest, we never really had since we've been doing this podcast. And you know, we don't really tweet anything uh, horrendous or whatever. You get maybe the odd fan here and there from opposition clubs, but this was quite quite something. And uh, wow, I tell you what, it was it was very interesting. But regarding rather than those tackles, because we we'll come on to that, but just about that song, because again. I don't want to really want to go onto it, but we need to mention it because it it got a bit of coverage. It got quite a bit of coverage, um, and of course they respond about Tories or whatever. So, what what did you think, Rob? Or, or or did it did it actually just pass you by? Was it something that was actually quite local to the game, quite enclosed in the game, and maybe not quite as wide reaching as maybe what I've seen because I was quite involved with it. Oh no, it did the rounds. Oh, yeah, it did. But I think you know, we obviously we are not here to to spark any controversy. We are just here as as two Leicester fans. Well, I know it sounds like you have dragging the for fuck's sake name through the mud. The most controversial thing about this podcast is the name. Um, Yeah, yeah, it did. It did the rounds. I was certainly aware of it, although I didn't watch the game. I listened to parts of it uh, when I could. from my point of view, yeah, my point of view is very similar to yours in the sense that, you know, if you if you take it completely out of context, it being a football match, uh, and if you're trying to tell me that thousands of Leicester, uh, thousands of people from Leicester or people who support Leicester, genuinely want to ridicule people who are using food banks and that, <laughs> I don't I don't believe it for a second. It's not no. true. It's <laughs> exactly. categorically not true. And the, the, there's there's so many so many things that happen at football matches that if you take them in isolation or you take them out of out of the football ground, they're unacceptable. And does that make them acceptable in the football ground? No. But have they been happening for hundred odd years? Yes, they have. And you know we're in a period of of time now in 2022 as we are now, where I think political correctness has has possibly gone a little bit too far. I mean, who are we to? This is this is just personally my opinion. Um, is it a pleasant chant? No. Are most chants aimed at, uh, towards opposition supporters pleasant? No. Of course they're not. You're not going to sing nice songs to to the opposition fans very often at all. And and I think that's it. I think it it, it could and should be left there because, as you say. It does the right. It circulates year upon year, uh, and it's one of a million football chants that exist that are derogatory to the to the opposition fans. Yet, by and large, almost everybody who supports Leicester would be more than happy to go on record and say. I don't despise people, or I don't mock people who need to use food bags. There's every chance that some people joining in with that song or people that have heard it who haven't taken offence to it 
are Leicester fans who have used food banks before and, and, and have had hunger and poverty affect their families. And I don't think they're going to take it personally. It's a football chant in a football <laughs> game. And, and and that's really it. Uh, am I condoning it? No. Would I rather the fans sit there and sing happy songs about their team rather than slating the opposition? I think, you know, that, that would make it a more family-friendly atmosphere. But there's something about when opposition fans get each other riled up a little bit that adds something very special to a football atmosphere. And it's just made me think, actually, about the... the the United game at the King Power. I went with a a lad who's predominantly a rugby fan, only really kind of getting into football in the last couple of years. And he turned to me at one point during the the, the game when we were you know, when Maguire was getting all of that abuse, and and he said to me, "The atmosphere at football matches is so much better than it is at rugby matches." Uh, and I couldn't obviously couldn't disagree with him because I prefer football to rugby. Um, but it's because of that partisan nature and 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 those kind of chant. Not necessarily that one in particular, but you know, the, the would would Leicester fans go up to Harry Maguire in the street and personally abuse him? I would really, really hope not, and it would be unacceptable. But you know, in the moment, in the professional sport, it is one of the best atmospheres that you can experience, and 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 I think it needs to be to be seen as that. I've always thought of football fans. There is that level, and 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 everyone knows where that level is. Hopefully, and if you don't, and you go beyond, because there's always going to be people that way. Other people are going to follow and get involved in a situation, and they're going to carry on with with certain chants or whatever. But everyone knows there is that kind of level. It's a pantomime. I've always put it down at. You know, you calling people on the pitch, uh, whatever. Um, Certain words are used quite often, say, at Leicester rather than other places. Uh, slightly more old-fashioned words, I'd say, rather than um, at other places. And 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 it is a bit of pantomime. I think if you didn't go to football a lot and you went there and you went, well, hang on, that's a bit weird. You go, yeah, but you've got to take it with a bit of a, a, a pinch of salt, really, because, again, what you said, not necessarily everyone will go and say it in the street. Now, you've got thousands of Leicester fans singing that because they're getting the response from Liverpool fans, and they're going, yeah, but the, they're not talking about the social political climate of uh, Merseyside. Da, da, da. That's not what they're thinking. They're there with the mates, and they're getting a response from Liverpool fans. Also, they're winning as well, because for the vast majority of the Liverpool game, they were winning. And guess what? Football supporters, another thing I said, football supporters are happy and louder when they are winning. And... We were for the game in the Premier League and also in the game in the Cup and then obviously it all, all went horribly wrong. Funnily enough, I did mention about the Jota then celebrating in front of the Leicester fans after he scored the penalty. And and they said, oh, you got a problem? with I said, no, not at all. I said, not at all. You think Jamie Vardy, if he scored the winning penalty, wouldn't have done the same if it was at the Cup end? I says, I've not got a problem. I says, you're the guys who've got a problem with the guy sliding on his knees. And I'm talking about a lot of people here. You know, this ain't just the odd person. A huge issue. So I says, you know, I said, you want you guys need to have a look in the mirror, really. But um, yeah, all sorts of weird and wonderful articles being written about um, how certain areas have voted in the in the last forty years. And I'm scratching my head, thinking, my God, like. If if this is what it's come to, again, there are, and we're not going to say them on here, but you know out there listening, that you can name five songs between certain clubs which are unacceptable. And 
I would say so right now. Not a problem at all. And there are some things that you can aim at Leicester and would be completely unacceptable, which has been done and was, again, by certain Liverpool fans again. again. So it, it, it's just it, just a bit too much, I thought. I sat there going, this, this, is, uh, this is completely bonkers, you know. Um, but there you go. It was. Uh, it, it, we'll, we'll move on from that because again, it's just again scratch my head thinking. There's there's bigger things to be thinking about than than that. Um, and then you go. So it was very disappointing to to throw it away like that. What Wilford indeed was doing underneath that high ball, no idea. Um, just completely missed time in the cross. Really left his man obviously behind him. And um, it was a shame Vestergaard wasn't underneath it because he came on and, and did well. Bertrand was a complete disaster as usual. But uh, Vestergaard came in and, and I thought just headed everything and, and did well. It was a, a lot of criticism for Rodgers for the substitution, the removal of, of Jewsby Hall, more, more on the exception uh, Pele later, but he was, um, which, which really did change things. But I thought Vestergaard did very well. I think he got slated by people unfairly because... Um, because of the nature of the game and the way it ended. And, and very disappointing, really disappointing. You're thinking, Crocky O'Reilly, Man City next, and then um, Liverpool again. And the Man City game was was ever so strange, ever so strange. I was um, I was travelling back from work and round my, uh, my folks' house because for a bit of a, uh, a do and et cetera. And um, it, was, uh, it was on in the car. And every time... They went back to Man City, there was another goal, and then by the time I got from the driveway into the house, there was another goal, and, and, and it was a complete disaster. And then second half, of course, Leicester, bang, 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 you know, 4-3, here we go, this is this is proper stuff. And then ultimately Man City then you know started up again and, and won. A, a crazy game, completely... Um, in, when you look at the games that we've played, it's, a, it's, I think, such an easy game to almost just, just gloss over and go... That happened <laughs> because of what then has happened since against Liverpool and then ultimately who's going to be playing. I don't think it has really any any basis apart from saying those players in midfield and going forward, your Dewsbury Halls, your, your Madison, th- those two players in particular um, are, are really playing some stuff. Madison, who's um, who you mentioned before, he, he's um, he's playing very well. He really is. There was a, a nice article about him saying how much he's getting stuck in rather than just doing the kind of number 10 stuff. He's getting back working hard. Now, whether this is the fact that he's getting older, um, he's had his child now, and he's kind of, I think he's he's got over the initial kind of impact of having that. You've seen on social media, he's put quite a few um, clips out which have, have shown the behind-the-scenes nature of his life. Fantastic life. Unbelievable house and all that sort of thing. Um, and then the training, etc. If you haven't seen them, go go on his Instagram. You don't have to. I don't think you have to sign up or anything. You can find those clips. Well worth watching. And that's what you want to see as a Leicester fan, because you want him to be happy. And he seems very happy on the field. I think he's playing his best stuff at Leicester because of it's an all-round game. Um, I don't think there's any coincidence that the fact that we're in now a World Cup year, and with his age, etc., he'll be looking at that World Cup going. I, I I want to be there, and to do that and to be in that squad, he needs to be doing this because he needs to show more than what he has done at Leicester. Even when he was playing really well, from what he's been showing, and, and this, this might have been the case. It could have been Rogers. It could be Gareth Southgate himself. Who knows? But I think he he must have been told that 
you are not only a very good player at Premier League level, doing what you've done before, but with what we've got for England in those positions, you need to be more than that. You need to be more than that player. And at the moment, he's stepping up. And at the moment, if you were looking at maybe what might happen in the future with, say, Yuri Tillemans moving on from Leicester, he could maybe even drop back and play as an eight. Who knows? It, it, it could be the case. I think you have to put a lot of it down, or at least some of it, to how Keenan Jusbert Hall has been playing. I, I, This guy, I know he's from Shepshed, etc., but again, I don't know the guy. But, wow, a, a really... Just a spark, a huge spark in that midfield. It's helped Madison, it really has, obviously. And I think ultimately it will help uh, Yuri Tielemans as well. His energy is infectious. Not only that, but he's a very good player, which helps, because you can't just be running around like a blue-ass fly. I know you can get away with it to a certain extent, a la, say, Robbie Savage in his career, but he's an all-round midfielder. He can tackle, he gets back, he's got a great engine on him. Um, look what happened against Liverpool when we took him off. The performance against Liverpool at home was exceptional, unbelievable. Just a, a real Rolls-Royce performance. Yes, he didn't score. Yes, it, 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 wasn't, um, it wasn't the flash passing of, say, a Madison or a, a Yuri Tillemans or the last-ditch blocks, but it was just that all-round excellent display. And without him playing that way, we would not have got close to Liverpool, I don't think. I think you could argue he was man of the match. I don't think anyone would put you off that. Obviously, Schmeichel with his penalty save, etc. But those two together, if you look back over those games, the Liverpool in the league, obviously Newcastle before that. Newcastle at home 4-0, the, the loss against Liverpool in the Cup and the way that they played, the way the game changed when Drewsby Hall was taken off and the goal that Madison scored in his all-round game. Then the Man City game and obviously what happened in the second half, etc. And then again against Liverpool at home. Those two players at the moment are carrying Leicester might be a bit too much, but you get what I'm saying. Yeah, but it's a positive thing that they're carrying Leicester because it means that their performance levels are very, very high. On Madison, you know, he's been nominated for Player of the Month and quite rightly so. His, his all-round game... His stats in terms of goals and assists are some of the best that we've seen him in a Leicester shirt. And it's so nice to be talking about him in those kind of um, terms when when so often on the podcast we say, oh, he had a good game a few weeks ago and he's got off the boil again. Or, or he just needs to put together a consistent run of high quality performances. And we can now sit here and say that that is happening and it makes a huge difference to to the way that we play. Dewsbury Hall has been an absolute revelation. You know, I had my, I wouldn't say doubts, but, you know, when he came back from the loan at Luton uh, and was part of the first team squad during pre-season, looked in great shape, spoke well in pre-season interviews, that kind of thing. I don't think anybody will have expected him to have had such an impact on the first team. Even though he's, what, 23 years old? He's a, in that sense, maybe a bit of a late bloomer by by a couple of years, but it has done him the absolute world of good. Oh, it has, hasn't it? it that that is a, a pure that's an advantage. It really is. It is hugely, and and you know, there was part of me. I think the the the, the age thing was the the main niggling doubt at the back of my mind, saying, well, if he's not sort of burst onto the scene beforehand, why is it taking him this long? 
And it might be a mental thing, it might be a physical thing, it might be a technical thing, it might be a confidence thing, who knows, but he is absolutely flourishing at the moment. And and I think he lends a different kind of balance to the Leicester midfield because, you know, Rodgers has, has had to play whatever formation suits the seven players that he's got available or whatever ridiculous <laughs> thing it is every week. Um, and in a midfield diamond... To have a naturally left-footed box-to-box midfielder playing on the left side of a midfield diamond-shaped thing is so, so beneficial. And he has played slightly wider on the left in different shapes in, in previous games this season. But he just looks fantastic in that kind of role. And the reason that you mentioned there that is helping Madison is because Dewsbury Hall wants to carry that ball forward either carry it or move it forward. His passing is much sharper. He is very, very dynamic. And I tell you what, if I hope this, this sort of purple patch isn't a flash in the pan because if he can achieve this kind of form consistently, we have got some player on our hands, some homegrown player and another massive tip of the hat to the academy because... If, if we stay on that, you look at Luke Thomas, some of the best games that he's had in a Leicester shirt have been over the last few weeks. Uh, you know, all the, all sorts of memes going around about taking Mo Salah out of his pocket. He, he, he was not phased by playing against, arguably, the most informed player in world football. This is a 19, 20-year-old lad from Syston who's only really just finding his feet in the first team at Leicester City. Just... Really, really, really positive. And when you look at the players that Leicester have got out injured, you're looking to others to step up and step in. Without the injuries and the and the lack of availability for certain players, would Thomas and Dewsbury Hall be getting as much game time? Absolutely not. But now what they've done is they've forced their way in to the point where whenever players come back or when you're looking at what business you can do in the January transfer window all of a sudden you're not necessarily highlighting those areas as desperately um, needing another player or reinforcements in because they are playing so, so well and they are now firmly part of the first team and it's it's a really positive position for, for us to be in. I would love to see Jewsby Hall have another run of 10-15 games where he's, the, where he's selected as a starter in most first team games and, and just see what he's got in him and uh, Brendan Rodgers will probably manage him a little bit more carefully than that but I think he'd be itching to play every single game at the minute the form that he's in I think you might be uh, I think you might be pleasantly surprised really because as much as he played alongside Samari and Chowdhury in that midfield I mean imagine playing against Liverpool in a Premier League game where you got Hamza Chowdhury you got Samari and you got (laughs) Dewsbury Hall that as your midfield say that at the start of the season without seeing Samari play you would you would have really kind of scratched your head, but players thrive off each other. You can complement other players, and I was just about to say, in fact, I'll say it. What Dewsbury Hall can do, Madison could improve on and is doing. And then what Madison can do very well, you look at Dewsbury Hall and go, well, that's what you can improve on, you know. But that's why they complement each other because they both have very. I see different skill sets, but they're stronger in different points. But then Madison's working on that side of the game, which has improved dramatically of late. And Drewsbury Hall, as you said, 
if he plays another 10 or 15 games, who knows that the creative side that he has, and especially the goal-scoring side. Um, I've said a few times about um, Chap at Work, who's a huge Luton fan, and he mentioned about his goal-scoring um, and his, his shooting ability, and I said, well, we're not really seeing that. We've had the goal against Napoli, but and he goes, it'll come, it'll come, and, and, and I imagine it will do, but what he's doing at the moment is absolutely fantastic. I think Thomas, again, has, has been exceptional, and a, a mate of mine was... Um, liken him to like a, a Robertson, young Robertson, saying if he can um, grow as a pl- as a person as well, you know, put a bit more muscle on, etc. Which, as age comes along, it, it might happen. You look at Robertson now from what he was when he first signed for Liverpool, um, a completely different animal, really. And um, that if that happens, he says you can see a lot of the same characteristics there. Hopefully that's the case. But uh, yeah, just just really good. Absolutely fantastic. Um, such a shame when it comes to, say, Vardy going off uh, injured because missing him is going to be s- such a loss for the side. And, and we'll come on to those future games and, and who's going to play, again, from the seven players that are available. But uh, yeah, just, just real plus points. And um, it's great to see. And hopefully it can continue. But... Um, yeah, there we go. We've got we've got Liverpool not too long in the league. It's February sometime. We've got them away. Um, let's just have a quick look whilst I say that. Yeah, we've got uh, Liverpool away on what the tenth in the Premier League. So that's um, there's going to be a, a proper rivalry there. Now this is this has has turned into something. Hopefully, again, um, people on Merseyside have uh, grown a backbone before that game because uh, if we go and win there, well, there we go. It's um, Let's look forward though, Rob, with the obvious, with the players missing through AFCOM, with the players missing through injury, and you've got Watford at home in the FA Cup as defending champions. You've got Everton then on the 11th, so midweek away. You then go to Burnley on the weekend away, and then you've got Tottenham at home in the league, followed by Brighton at home in the league. But we'll we'll just have those three kind of games: Leicester, Watford, um, Everton, Leicester, and kind of Burnley, Leicester. I mean, that's a lot of games to play, and with the squad at the moment, it is going to be incredibly difficult for Leicester to string any kind of consecutive performances results. Um, it really is a huge problem that they've got, and they have to be on the verge of having games possibly cancelled if there is any outbreaks of COVID in the camp. Because even though you can look at COVID cases and say, well, there needs to be a certain amount, well, if you've got a huge injury crisis and then COVID comes along, those two, which I know a lot of clubs saying, well, hang on, you can't marry the two together, I kind of disagree because you've got a 25-man or whatever it is, Premier League side or squad. Well, if... 12 of them or, or, or 10 of them are out injured and then all of a sudden you have seven COVID cases and growing and amongst backroom staff and then you close the training ground. Well, they, they do marry up together and as much as I want games to be played, it could well be the case that if unfortunately that happens, which you never want it to happen, then something might be called off at Leicester's end rather than, say, at Norwich's end or at Tottenham's end, etc. or Everton, etc. Um so Watford in the FA Cup is a real shame because as defending champions, as holders, and, and just to go back to the FA Cup draw again, not mentioned at all during the FA Cup draw, remarkably. Not um, that we're bitter about it. 
No, but you, you, you're looking at Watford and you're thinking, oh, Premier League side, you don't want a Premier League side, of course, but it's, uh, who is going to play, Rob? And, and and is it a case of, does does he have to put a team out against Watford? Does he have to put a, a, a first, the best side possible? Because we are the, the holders of the FA Cup. But do you, do you look at the games coming up and go, well, we, we just can't. Who's going to play up top? No one. False nine. Madison can do everything now. He'll get player of the month and he'll play in the false nine. Uh, who's going to play is a great question. Absolutely no idea. Does Brendan Rodgers have to pay respect to the competition that brought silverware to Leicester City for the first time ever uh, from an FA Cup point of view? I think he does. And I think that maybe the Norwich postponement might do us a bit of a favour in the sense that it's possibly allowed a few players to rest up and um, and, and be ready for this next kind of run of games. Uh it's a, it's a difficult one because I would never say to put a strong side out against Watford if that meant that you would have to play a slightly weaker side in the Premier League a few days later because, you know, the the, the Premier League and finishing in a certain position in the Premier League ultimately, financially uh, and, and in many other facets is is the, the end goal, isn't it? But... We've got it. We've got it. You can't bow out in the third round after winning the FA Cup the previous season, no matter what the situation is. I think the the postponement situation is an interesting one because it's still not really about the um, the welfare of the players, is it? It's it's more about from the Premier League's point of view. They'll only they're they're mainly concerned about the integrity of the of the competition and making sure that they're not just putting on games for the sake of it when a team has to put out uh, 11, 17-year-olds. They're making sure that there are enough established first-team professional players to to fulfil the fixture. And ultimately, that, that we're in that scenario at the moment. We Leicester's squad has looked a little bit threadbare all season. Uh, and when the Premier League season kicked off, uh, covid rates weren't particularly high um but you know since since omicron and and the fact that it's spreading so so quickly and numbers are at the highest ever it means that those injury problems are exacerbated by the fact that you have probably most of the time most of the clubs have got at least a couple of either staff members or players out after testing positive because you can't just keep them locked in a room and then put them out on the pitch and then test them and then keep them locked in a room. It just doesn't work like that. They're, they're people, they've got lives, they go home to families, you know, they go to the darts. Um, they, they get <laughs> themselves out and about, don't they? And then, and so they should, um, just like just like we do. Like I, I have to test um, quite regularly for my job and I still have the opportunity to go out and about and... And, and go and do what I want to do in my spare time. So why shouldn't they? But Leicester's, like I say, Leicester's squad, not the biggest, not the deepest, with a few significant long-term injuries as well. All you, all you need is a few COVID cases and, and you're in a spot of bother. And 
that's when it does damage the integrity of the competition. If the training ground's been shut for three days, but then all of a sudden you've you've got the prescribed number of of players available for the game, you can't you can't put that game on with with that lack of preparation. It's just impossible. So, are you saying, Pete, that you really want us to go gung ho against Watford and then get a bit of COVID so that they don't have to play back to back games midweek? Mid uh, weekend, midweek weekend for the foreseeable future. No, not at all. I'm just looking at the bench that they had against Liverpool, and what what I'm saying is that if you at, at Leicester, in Leicester's case, if they're saying you need, uh, say, 13 players of your first team squad unavailable through COVID on itself, okay, then well, if that's the case, um, you've got Timothy Castagna, you've got uh, James Madison, Schmeichel, Samare. Um, Vestergaard let's throw Nelson in there McAteer, Luckman, Daly Campbell who are Leicester going to play? Who, who from the first team squad is going to play? They, they will have say three players and then the rest will be genuine under 23 players who haven't made the Leicester bench before, that's what I'm saying because the injury list is so long you can't, I understand when football fans look at say um a Newcastle and they lose a couple of pl- big players through injury and then all of a sudden they're going well the game's called off because of COVID and like, well hang on you've just lost a couple of your best players it, that's very easy to look at but if you've got such an injury crisis that we have and then you throw in an outbreak of COVID but it hasn't reached the magical 13 it's at 8 by the time you're the day before the game you can't still play that game because of how many players are available now people are saying oh well you should be forced to play your under 23s okay then you play the under 23s against Watford if you're made to play that game I would actually put my hands in the air and go okay fine because it's a cup game but you're telling me you're going to have to field an under 23 side then again the league in three games on the bounce because again you're talking 10 days isolation that's three Premier League games afterwards as well that can't be the case you you can't have a, a side being forced to play a virtually full under-23 side. And this is players who haven't been on the bench before. This isn't a, um, a Manchester City or whatever where they're throwing in £100 million players from the bench. It's it's just not the case. And that that can't be right if, even, if you're not reaching that magical 13. Now, I agree if you've got two players or three players out through COVID, you can't then cancel the game. But I'm talking about a significant number. There needs to be a little bit of balance there. So... Um, I want Leicester to play. Don't get me wrong. I don't want the games to be cancelled. I agree with you. I think the um, Norwich game was quite beneficial for Leicester as well. It gave Leicester time to recuperate because, again, these players we've mentioned have played all of these games, the Jewish Beholds, etc., and they'll be needed over this period of time. Um, but that that's what I'm saying. I'm saying you, you've got to look at the two sides of the coin. One's injuries, one's covid are they? And a lot of people are saying that they, you can't relate the two. I'm just saying you can if you have a very, very, very substantial injury crisis, which I'm afraid Leicester have because I'm trying to piece together a side here. I'm looking at the goalkeeper. Now, the goalkeeper could change. It, it could be Ward. I'd, I'd imagine it will be. But then I'm looking at the back line. Castagna, Amati, Ndidi, Thomas was the back line against uh, Liverpool. Well, we know Amati and Ndidi aren't playing. So there's the two makeshift centre-halves who aren't playing. Um, You'd imagine the left and right back, maybe Daly Campbell comes in, 
I'm not entirely sure. I'd imagine they'll play the two fullbacks. Um, if Bertrand's fit, but he, he might not be by the looks of things. So you look at the centre halves. Vestergaard will obviously play. There's no problem there. Now, who plays alongside him? Do they move into a back three? I'm not entirely sure. I would look at that and go, unless they can try and bring in Castagna to a centre half and then play Daly Campbell as a uh, as a as a fullback, that could work. But I think possibly it will be the case that they might actually throw in, um, say Nelson alongside Vestergaard and and go with that in his actual place. And then you look then in midfield. Chowdhury, Samare and Jusby Hall. I think Chowdhury will probably play. And I think you've got Samare, who I think will play as well. Um, but will they play in that formation? Will they play a, a 4-3-3? Quite possibly, because then you look at who's going to be ahead of them. And you've got someone like Iosi Perez, which more than likely will be the number nine. You could then maybe have Lookman on one side. And I imagine they'll want to give a bit of time for Harvey Barnes as well. And all of a sudden, the team looks fairly strongish in a way you could maybe put a Jewsbury Hall or even a Madison if you want in midfield probably one or the other I don't think both will play I think they'll probably play one um more than likely I'd say it might well be Jewsbury Hall so then you look at that side and you go well actually it's, it's not that bad but the problem is I've just taken Perez I've taken Vestergaard I've taken Danny Ward I've taken Nelson and I've taken um, possibly Daly Campbell from the bench, <laughs> and and guess what? The bench then will have to be replaced with under twenty three players. So this this is the problem. It's it might sound a good eleven, but away from that, all Brighton, all Brighton could possibly play in midfield. Maybe all Brighton plays, um, but again, we'll see. That that's that's the issue that we have. You then follow that up with the game in the in the Premier League. Well, it's going to have to be almost a little mini season for the next couple of weeks because you know you're going to be missing certain players. Yuri Tillemans will probably come back in um, unless they want to give Yuri Tillemans say 45 against Watford could even be the case. If so, give him the first 45 minutes. But then from then on you're looking at kind of a, a mini season because you're going to say right this is this is the squad. This is our squad until those players come back because I don't think you can you, because of their injuries, that you know they're going to be out for a certain amount of time. And they'll have looked at the fixture list and gone, well, we're probably more than likely going to be targeting certain games for them to come back. So you look kind of ahead and you go, Vardy, more than likely, you've got Leicester playing against Brighton on the 23rd, and then there's the gap until the Liverpool game on the 10th of, of Feb. That more than likely will be Vardy's target away at Liverpool. So you've got one, two, three, four games in the Premier League and the Cup game that he's going to miss. Dakar. Hopefully, will be before that. But again, you can't see him being back in a Leicester shirt on the field of play. Maybe Brighton, but more than likely, again, Liverpool. So there's this group of four four games in the Premier League with this kind of mini squad that we've got. We'll come on to who could possibly be signed by Leicester, but it is a, a kind of a real mix and match and who can play. It's, it's, it's such a, a strange position that the football club's got themselves in through no real fault of their own again injuries and because of the wider world and what's going on but it's going to be a very interesting 11 against Watford who who do you think looking because I'd imagine during this um, spiel I've been on about you've had a look at the the possible lineup do, do you agree with me that that's more than likely how they would go 
Yeah, I think if you look at the bench, there are there are players that were on the bench against Liverpool who are going to need to start. And if you are playing a sort of, I was going to say kind of mishmash of players then, but that's what Leicester have been doing all season really. But you'd want somebody on the pitch who you know is going to give you a 7 out of 10, who you know is going to set the standard. Someone like a Mark Albright, a Mark Albrighton can play. That would be absolutely fine. And it comes down to the decision, I think, in defence really as to whether you want to play Timothy Castagna out of position and play a young lad at right back in Daly Campbell, who has featured in the first team a couple of times already, and he started against Brighton in the uh, in the Carabao Cup earlier this season. Or do you leave Castagna where he belongs and uh, at right back and, and put the young lad in Nelson at centre-back in, in his preferred position? It, it's, it's kind of that looks like a toss-up a 50-50 really doesn't it and then they'll be forward thinking about what the system's going to be against Everton um, as to whether they can risk a certain number of attacking players I think you've got to you've got to be a little bit cautious in the fact that you've got to protect certain players as well you know someone like Luckman for example if if he picks up a knock or, or or becomes unavailable for whatever reason, then there's very little in terms of pace going forward after that. Because uh, Perez isn't going to offer that for you, is he? Let's be perfectly honest. Luckman could even start through the middle against Watford uh, because I th- he's played in kind of similar position for for Fulham, I'm sure, in, in not regularly, but he's he's kind of done a job there. Um. It, it it's it's a tricky one, but it's an interesting one because you can it's it's one of them where you know in, in years gone by you'd you wouldn't even necessarily be that keen on checking the Leicester City Twitter at two o'clock on a Saturday afternoon because you'd pretty much be able to predict the eleven. Whereas come the weekend and the and the FA Cup game against Watford, I don't think anybody's going to be able to predict all 11 players correctly. And it provides an opportunity for certain players to come in. And it seems to me that the, the kind of collective desire and responsibility is is there for for all to see in, in previous games uh, over the Christmas period. So I think the players that come in know that they're fringe players, but they will be determined to do their very best. And, and Rodgers will say to them, look, you are the first people responsible for beginning the defence of this FA Cup. So go out there and play like you mean it. And then we'll see how many can be patched up, ready to go against Everton three days later. In this mini-season, Rob, I, I think I think they will go with, um, just thinking again, I think they will go with Luckman and Barnes um, in the forward three. And... and, and Possibly even looking further back, you've got Samare, you've got um, Chowdhury, I think probably might start again. And then maybe someone like Yuri Tillemans, actually, from the start. Um, I know people might raise an eyebrow at that, but I think that could be the way that they go. I think they could even they could then bench Jewsbury Hall and Madison with a look forward to those games, but also in the knowledge that you could easily then bring both on if you need to chase the game to replace players and... You know, take say Tielemans off, etc. You could even then take any of the forward three off and change it around. That's possibly how I would go. Um, 
but there is one player though in this mini season so this mini four season uh, four game season who in your opinion is the linchpin so who is the main player who you feel Leicester will need to play well in this four game period if they're going to be um success, successful I'll give you two actually name two players in your opinion or if you want me to go first um who you think Leicester will need to play well or who you think will be kind of the stars of this mini season well it'd be quite easy to go Madison and Dewsbury Hall because we've absolutely lauded them for the last three quarters of an hour but right now the player the player that needs to to play really well that, that is going to make a huge difference to Leicester you're going to say these next four you're games say is, it. is Vestergaard yep He's won. It's got to be because he's the only centre back at the at the football club. He he has really he really is. got he to is. step up. <laughs> Schmeichel's got to give him a slap on the backside and say, "Come on, mate, book your ideas up." I don't know what that is in Danish, but his English is pretty good, Vestergaard. So, book your ideas up, mate. You have got to make a stand here. You are going to be starting every game. There is no doubt about that, and you have got to put in a shift. Second player. Um, uh, if you name the two players that I had. Yeah. Well, when you look at the, the other area where we are significantly depleted is up front. So you've got to say Iosi Perez has got to pull his <laughs> finger out. Is this is that where you were going? Absolutely. Absolutely. I had Perez. Perez was my number one. Yeah. He, he was my number one. And, and, and so, yeah, Vestergaard, absolutely right. But with Perez, and I, I think I'll say exactly what you're going to say, he's... If you look through the side, he has been a number nine before. He's played as a nine or a ten, really, at Newcastle. Um, I think it's his best position, just to offer centre forward. Um, I think he can play there, and he needs to step up into that position because, which he has done at times at Leicester. He has played down the centre. I think that's why I would play with the two out and out speedsters out wide. As much as Luckman obviously is on a high after the goal against Liverpool, and Barnes will need time um, after his um, illness, etc. I think it's been COVID with Barnes that he's been out for, but it's down his illness through um, confidentiality or, or, or whatever. So it's it's quite obvious. But Iosi Perez, he needs to start, and I think he will do. But he also he needs to get a goal as well because he he's a very much a confident player, uh, confidence player. In fact, he's very much a confident player as well. Like if you if you see the way he plays, when things are going well and the confidence is high, he can be a very skillful player. Most of his career has been slightly out of position at Leicester, and I think overwhelmingly most people would agree that it's probably been not quite the maybe the money that we've paid for. He's not been the player maybe we thought we were getting, and I think arguably you could say maybe slightly disappointing overall. But I think you look back on his career overall, and it's been. It's been stop-start. It's been disappointing in places, but also he's he's done a job and he's not shied away. We, uh, I think at times you thought maybe he would be the sort of person who doesn't put a full shift in. And I think maybe earlier on you, in his career you could maybe label him as that. But I think, um, especially in the last 18 months or so when he has played, he has um, got stuck in and, and really kind of put himself a bit about a bit. I think other players have, have gone beyond him in, in certain positions, which will happen at football clubs. But just like Vestergaard, I think Iosi Perez in this period of time not only is the most important player at the football club, 
arguably, because of the position he's going to be playing in. But also, I think with Vestergaard, you could probably say he's maybe playing for his football career at Leicester. Because I think if Vestergaard fails in this and fails badly, he will be put to the side, if that's possible, if players come back, etc. And there's a very good chance with, again, in time, fingers crossed, touch wood, players coming back from injury, that he might not feature again. And then in the summer, he goes away for a few million quid and it just didn't quite work out. Ozzy Perez, exactly the same. If it doesn't work out in these four games, can you see him taking over from Luckman or getting ahead of Barnes or Madison? Dewsbury Hall, obviously, as well. Not at all. And obviously, then you've got Vardy and Dacker to come back. So again, this four-game mini-season you could argue it is their careers at Leicester that they're playing for. Fingers crossed, at the end of these four games, they are the two players you look back on and go, yes, along with the stars of the show, which are Madison and, and um, KDH, who were mentioned earlier, for obvious reasons. But those two have been fantastic. He scored the goals, and Vestergaard, he's looked after maybe the young man alongside him on Saturday against Watford. But also, he has really... I say grown in stature because he's very tall already, but he really has taken the mantle and the responsibility of being the only fit defender of the football club and gone, right, well, we're going to maybe do things my way slightly at the back. Maybe it's the fact that Leicester have been so poor at the back because of the, the, the system that they've played, and we know that they've changed things around. We know they've gone more basic and more front post, back post, man-to-man. Maybe that would actually play to the strengths of Yannick Vestergaard. And hopefully that's the case. So he might turn around and go in training. They could even walk up to him and say, look, not even funny, but you're our only fit centre-half. So how do you want to play as a centre-half? How do you want to market crosses, etc.? Because you're going to be playing the next four games, or next five games, including the FA Cup. So that might even be the case. Hopefully it is. And, and, it, and, and, they, and they swim, and maybe towards the summer we look at them and go, actually, they're worth their place in next season's squad. Um who knows, we might have a centre-half partner alongside Vestergaard by the time we get to those games in the uh, in the Premier League. That's a very neat little segue that I was going to uh, to use myself there by saying, bring back Ryan Bennett. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> no, but historically, the January transfer window has not been particularly busy for Leicester City. And it's an interesting situation because at the moment... I would imagine most clubs would prefer to have three or four more players in their squad to account for COVID issues, etc. Um, and Leicester are absolutely no different. The There are certain target areas, and Brendan Rodgers has admitted himself that those target areas have changed in the last week or two based on player unavailability. But you've got to be looking at centre-back because, you know... Johnny Evans is now, he turned 34, I think, this week, uh, injury-prone. Soyuncu up and down at the moment. Fafana is going to need time to, to get back into it. Vestergaard has absolutely not looked like a Leicester player in, in very many minutes of games that he's played so far for the club. So centre-back has to be, really has to be number one priority. And then... He, he, Rogers kind of alluded to the fact that that there's a problem up front and that there might be a kind of a short-term um, dip that kind of way. Because really, when you look at other areas, 
you've got Thomas at left back, you've got Castagna who can play either side, or Brighton's filled in at full back before. Um, and you've got then Daly Campbell, who's in and around the first team squad for, for quite a, a while now. So that's not a hugely desperate area. All of the positions, it'd be nice to get somebody else in. You know, you'd love another pacey winger to to rival Luckman and Barnes for their shirt. But really, when you're talking about crucial areas, we've got to be in the market for a centre-back. But who and where from and what kind of deal, is? I don't think it's going to be easy at all. I don't think so, and I, I can't see, I can't see Leicester buying because of what we've been told and what you've read. Rob Tanner and the Athletics mentioned um, only the other day about there really being no money available, and Rogers has kind of hinted that way. Who knows? They might bring forward a target from the summer. That could easily be the case. So if they do, all of a sudden, splash out money on a player, that's possibly where it would come from. Loan signings again. You you can't really throw names out there because who knows? I mean, it, it, you're not going to be signing players on loan from rival football clubs who are gunning for certain positions. Um, there, there are players who have been mentioned. I'll just go through a few. You got like Callum Chambers and Nathaniel Phillips at Liverpool. If they were interested in him, it would more than likely be uh, a permanent signing. Uh, also, someone like Holgate at Everton and um, and Joe Roden at, uh, at at Tottenham. Away from those, you're not going to sign those on loan. They're, they're not going to come on loan. They're going to be either permanent signings or it's it's just players who have been picked who are decent Premier League players but not getting the game. One player there in particular, actually, I'd be very interested in, in Leicester signing and that would be on, a, on maybe a permanent deal and it could well happen maybe in the summer, is Roden from... Um, from Tottenham, uh, who I think when he signed for Tottenham, Leicester were interested, and I think quite heavily as well. But he's gone Spurs, it's not worked out, but then again, no surprise at Spurs because of the mess, really, that they've been in in the last few years. Uh, so I can see that being poss- a possibility. Someone like him, if he does come in at Leicester, I can't see it being loan because Spurs ain't going to loan a player to Leicester, are they? Um, I think that would be quite a remarkable thing if they do. Um, but it might be a, a permanent signing because, again, it could be something that they've looked at maybe for the summer. Away from that, who knows in Europe? Again, who would have thought Leicester would have signed Wesley Fofana when that name came around? Everyone was like scratching their head, who's this guy? Um, but I, I think looking at the squad, <coughs> excuse me, looking at the squad, and as you mentioned about those positions, and you mentioned about the fullback position, saying, well, you know, we're, we're all right there. I'm not being funny, but if your re- next next one along the line is Mark Albrighton and Daley Campbell, that, nah, you, you're struggling. You're struggling big time. And also, Castagna and, and Thomas, as much as they've done a, a, a very, very solid job, and especially against Liverpool in that win, you can't just have those two. But then again... Who else is going to play there? Again, you're missing so many players. One fit centre-half. They will sign someone. There is no way that Leicester can have those games ahead of us without another centre-half. And also, depending on what happens on... I think Saturday is obviously going to be massive. Because if maybe they play the young lad Nelson alongside Vestergaard, I'm not saying he's going to start every game in the Premier League, but maybe you could maybe delay something to see what happens. But I, I can't see Leicester going into those games in the Premier League without another centre-half. I, I just cannot. 
Now, it could be someone from the continent because, again, the Vestergaard angle. You look at <laughs> Vestergaard, again, you sit him down in the office. Who do you reckon? <laughs> Phone a mate. <laughs> Get someone to play alongside you. Um, I just can't see them going into those games without another player. No, they can't because we're sitting here saying it's a 50-50 <laughs> for, the, for the Watford game. Between Nelson starting at centre-back with Vestergaard, Nelson who's never played a senior game for Leicester, or or Timothy Castagna, or what, five foot nine of him, playing centre-back for uh, as, a, as a two with Daly Campbell at right-back, who's made a handful of appearances for Leicester. The, and, and it's such an important position. I know there's 11 footballers on the pitch and, and every position could be deemed to be important, but centre-back is... is it's the beginning of the spine of your team. It's a position in which you make one positional error or you make one error in possession of the ball and it's pretty much going to lead to a goal, especially against quality opposition. So it's an area where it needs to be... I don't think at the moment Leicester can can really move for a younger centre-back unless it's one that's already on their radar, like you say. Somebody that they've been watching for a while that they were already planning to make a move for in the summer um, I think you need somebody who knows the, their job inside out who has played at a very good level not necessarily in the Premier League ideally in the Premier League but you know even someone like Nat Phillips is a big chance isn't it because he came in when in, in a similar defensive crisis to what Leicester have got right now kind of came in from nowhere from, from the reserves not that they exist anymore the 23's development squad whatever um, and and did a job, but he's very much ahead it and kick it centre back, which is fine. But is he going to be? Is he? A, is it is a, a sustainable signing? Is it one that you're going to want to to keep in the medium to long term? Possibly not. It might not be that that kind of player is available unless to have to make a knee jerk reaction. A la Ryan Bennett, you know, he was. That, that, that's was that's the way quite, I'm looking at. That's the way I'm looking at it, Rob. I, I don't think they'll go for a young player because. I think you'll look at Leicester's squad and go, well, hang on, we've got these youngsters coming through, so someone like a Phillips on loan just doesn't make sense to me because that would be a, a Nelson. I know he's got more experience than him, but I think those... And, unless they're not good enough, unless... Because you look at Daly Campbell, I, I know he's played a game and he looked fairly solid. I, I can't see him having a career at Leicester. I just can't. Um, with his age as well... I, yeah, I know we've mentioned about uh, KDH obviously being a bit older, but I just don't think he, I don't think he will be good enough really. But you look at those other centre halves. Nelson's been on the bench. I I can't see them bringing in a younger player for this. I think it will be a Bennett route. It will be that sort of player, or it could easily be a player alone to a signing like like a a, a Joe Roden at, at, at Tottenham. So you get him on loan with a view to a move, maybe even with a bit of money involved as well. You know, if you're looking to sign a guy for 15 million quid, 20 million quid, say, and you you pay five now and then the deal can be done in the summer, something that way. But I can't see him going for a younger player on loan. No, it doesn't really make sense because there's a lot of noise around Nelson. And, you know, this might be the opportunity to say, go on, have a go, son. You've got nothing to lose. Nobody's expecting huge amounts from you. Uh needs must get on with it kind of thing 
it's a similar situation to let's say Luke Thomas. Nobody had heard of him really. Yeah, um, yeah. Came came through from absolutely nowhere, no first team experience anywhere else, straight into the Premier League. Look how he's blossomed in a, in a fairly short period of time. But again, it is the centre back thing that's the main issue because I don't think Rogers would have too much of an issue putting a, a young lad in anywhere else on the pitch, really. Because there's there's other players to help out, whereas centre back, yes, you play in a partnership, but it's very very isolated, and it and it's there's a reason that most uh, centre backs in in world football don't reach their peak until probably the late twenties for most of them, and there's a reason that centre backs typically will play uh, a few years longer than than players in other positions. So it, it's it's a real problem area, but. You know, I'm I'm sure the the club are doing everything they can behind the scenes to to rectify it as soon as possible. Yeah, that that's why I think they'll play Chowdhury. If they could play Nelson, you play Chowdhury because he would automatically drop very deep. Also, give the legs on Samari a bit of a chance to to maybe go forward and be a bit um a bit more expressive than the the kind of sitting job that he's done. He's played a lot more football than he ever would have thought. I would imagine uh, this season. And I don't think, I think when you look at Bubakara Samare, I, I, there, there's a better player there than what we've seen so far because I, I think with the chop and change nature of the side and with him being asked to do various different roles at the football club, I think that's kind of messed around with his progress. I think what, we've get, what we're getting from him are, are decent displays but I think there's a better player there but I think what he's gaining is just experience at the moment and how... English football is basically played and I think he's not sank but when we've seen him at his best it's it's been in games where he's been given a little bit more liability to go forward and to be a bit more expressive um, but also when the side's been slightly settled in its balance and even if he's not playing very well as a side but still um, not the chop and change nature so I, I, I'm not worried about him at all but I think I would like to see him in this game against Watford, being able to get it further forward. But I just think Chowdhury playing um, again, someone that Nelson would know as well. So that that's what I think they'll they'll go against. Um, that's how I think they'll go against Watford. How the game's going to go? Because I see the time's ticking on. Um, well, it's got to be a Leicester win, hasn't it? God knows who Watford are going to be playing. Um, I think if you're Watford, you've got to be looking at a strong side because you, you're struggling big time. The one thing that we know from Watford, and I know it was a slightly awkward game because it was um, the snow game, wasn't it? But we know they can score goals, but we know that they will concede goals as well. I see that being the case. I can't see Leicester keeping a clean sheet against Watford, um, especially in the cup tie nature. So it's um, it's going to be a Leicester win, but I think I'm going to go for 3-1 Leicester. And I think Nelson will start. I think they'll play Chowdhury, like I said. Um, and I'm going to go for Perez to 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 kickstart his his mini five game season with a with a couple five goal thriller for me three two Leicester. There's going to be nobody's going to be recognisable on that football pitch. I don't recognise most of Watford's first team players anyway. So if they no. start putting in a couple of their <laughs> uh, bench players or squad players, I've got absolutely no hope of recognising who they play. So I, I don't know whether it's going to be a good team or not from them, and I won't know when I see it. But yeah, it's gonna be, it's gonna be a game that is gonna have lots of opportunities for both teams. A few errors here and there, loss of shape, partnerships that haven't been worked on before, and 
it, it should be entertaining, but I, I don't think it's going to be that enjoyable a watch. You'd be watching it through, like, from behind your hands or behind the sofa or something, where it's not going to be great. But I'd, I'd still back us to be able to pull through, especially with the fact that there's not a lot of positivity around Watford at the minute, and I think we've just come out of a positive, festive period. Yeah, and that's what we need to remember. As much as the the games are going to be up and down, we know Leicester are going to lose games and drop points here and there. Hopefully, not get knocked out of the cup. But when I mention those those games beforehand, yes, you get knocked out of the League Cup. You lose at Man City, but you you beat Newcastle by a handsome scoreline. You then beat New, uh, Liverpool in the Premier League with a makeshift side, the way they're playing. And I think the Leicester, oh, Leicester crowd always get behind them, but I think they, they really do understand that. And um, hopefully we can go into that mini four-game Premier League season on the back of a, a win against um, Watford in the FA Cup. It'd be fantastic. After that, again, Everton, we won't really preview the Everton game because, again, God knows what God knows what could happen in the in the Watford game and then who's going to be available. Again, stick your hands up, bring your boots if you're going uh, to Goodison. Now... That's it for the podcast this week. Now, Rob, I go away on Tuesday um, for um, for basically a fortnight. Um, I'm working, and I'll be in, in Lillehammer in Norway. Um, but I will take um, the microphone that I'm talking into right now, so we should be able to pod. Because, as you know, it would be great for me to get away from Alan March at one point. <laughs> Join during an evening, probably with about six or seven cans surrounding the uh, wherever I am doing the podcast from. So we should be able to pod. I can't see any reason why not. I think we, I, I definitely pod from somewhere before. Um, yeah, but I definitely... I've, I've done it from uh, on my balcony in uh, when I was on the European trip in Croatia a few years ago. I seem to remember I've done a podcast you did. from there. I, I, I definitely podcast. I was. I, I went on that forest one because Alan was doing it when we were in Canada doing the same gig actually exactly the same um, event the skiing it was um, and I, I, we we did that we were hammered when we did that so uh, that might be the case when we do the pod again now oh I can't wait there's me on a school night talking to you hammered in Norway lovely <laughs> obviously time wise no idea um, I know there's been a delay for this podcast but. We understand why, because there was a break, you went on honeymoon, etc, etc. But we are back with this episode, and we'll bring the next one along as and when. The, the, you know, the, the good thing is at the moment, you know, touch wood, again, COVID, etc, and all sorts of things. Um, at least we've got this one out, and then we'll, we'll go again at some point. So just bear that in mind, if it's not available, say, next week, etc. More than likely, it will be... Um, towards the weekend or even the week after, just as and kind of when. So uh, we'll play it by ear. But that's just, that's the case. But uh, if you want to get in contact with the podcast, nice and easy, at FFSPod is on Twitter. Uh, if you want to go on Facebook, type in for Fox 8 Podcast and you'll find us on there. And if you want to email us about absolutely anything at all, it's for Fox 8 Podcast at gmail.com. Any thing, things you want mentioned on the show, any, uh, any subjects or topics or things you want us to cover, things we haven't covered, uh, any ideas, whatever. Just let us know, and we'll uh, obviously we've been going for an awful long time. So 
anything you want and we'll try and get it sorted uh, the one thing that you can do for us and i mentioned it as a, a kind of a christmas present but i mention it again uh, if you do enjoy the podcast nice and easy however you listen to the podcast just go on and give us a five star rating so if you listen to us for example on apple itunes then uh, make sure you just scroll down to the bottom and you give us a rating if you give us five stars brilliant um if you want to leave a comment fantastic it actually really does help the podcast so however you listen to it if there is a rating on there give us a rating right now Thank you very much. Give us what you want. If you want to give us five, brilliant. But it does help the podcast. It really does. If you think it doesn't do anything, no, no, no. That algorithm that everything's involved with nowadays, it, it does help a lot. So uh, there we go. Nice to be back, Rob. And hopefully we can uh, carry on this good form in terms of players' performances. I don't know about the results, but we'll uh, we'll kind of grin and bear it and see what happens. But Happy New Year, everyone. And uh, fingers crossed... Uh, Claudio doesn't have a another return to the King Power. That's uh, hopefully it goes the same way as last time, maybe without the snow.